uh, I think one Saturday night a month, we used to get somebody in, and, and, and she was a dance instructor. And uh, she was teaching us different kinds of dances because some of us didn't know, like, it, what, for weddings and stuff, didn't really know how to dance. And uh, what, hap- what happened was after a few weeks of that or a few sessions, one, she said to me, Roger, I'm going to be your partner because let me guide you because I wasn't doing well at it with Jill. And so she said, let me guide you. And then after a little while with that, with a couple of dances, she said, Roger, some people just aren't meant to dance. <laughs> so then teach me the line dance. Hey, let's give it a try, right? But that's going to be a, a great evening. And I just love the fact God opens up opportunities for us to bless other people, especially people that are in need. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to come straight to today's teaching. Father, thank you for the blessing of being here together, of knowing you, of worshiping you. And Lord, we just open our hearts to you now, and we say, Lord, will you continue to speak to us, we pray. Help us to hear from you, my God, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, so we're, in a, we're in a series called Not a Fan, and uh, we are starting our third week in this series. And as most of you will know, we are, uh, this is multifaceted, so that each Sunday I, I introduce a theme in the teaching. And uh, there are a lot of folks who are following along in the, uh, the journal that's available for Not a Fan. Um, and uh, if you should have lost track, it's day 15 today. So that's where we begin today. If you didn't get one of these yet, um, the series still runs for several weeks. So we do have some at the front desk, and you can pick it up from day 15 and get a lot of benefit. I'm going to tell you this. This is a journal that makes you think. It is not just a little cozy verse for the day, and amen, thank you, Jesus. Uh, it really makes you think. Uh, invite you to go back to it at midday and later in the day as well. So if you didn't get one, we've got them at the front desk. And then each Tuesday evening, we show um, that there's a, a video series, like a mini TV series being produced with this. And uh, we look at a, an episode of that each week, and then we break into groups and have conversations about that. Again, if you haven't been able to be with us on a Tuesday yet, you can slot right in Tuesday, and you'll be able to pick up where we're at and to get the benefit of that, because there are a number of weeks still to go uh, in our Tuesday nights. Um, let me just say this. Uh, the forecast is, is unsettled for Tuesday, and we all know. Anyway, uh, forecasters sometimes give us their best shot, but it's not quite right. So there is the potential of bad weather on Tuesday. In the event of that, number one, just use your own initiative, number one. If it doesn't look nice out, don't go out. Uh, number two, if we do cancel, we will put it on social media, and we also have the ability, if we've got your contact information, to send everybody who's on our, in our database with the information, we can send you a text message, we can send you an email. Um, but the bottom line is this, you know, judge it for yourself, don't take risks, okay? And if Tuesday evening shouldn't happen, then um, we'll have to do something else. So, 
Now, I'm thinking we'll double up the next week and just start a little earlier and do two episodes and then go into our conference, but we'll see. But uh, whether it's a Tuesday or Sunday or whatever, um, we do have ways of putting word out there, but you need to... Uh, you need to avail yourself of those. So let's go. So today in our series, we're going to talk about getting to know God, getting to know God. Now, I left one key part of what I need down here, I guess, or I dropped it on my way up. So let me go and uh, let me go see what I did with it. Here we go. Because football season's over, right? Yeah, ended the same old way. Patriots won the Super Bowl. So... You know, the good, thing about, the good thing about football season being over, that means that baseball starts soon, yeah. right? That's the good thing. So I, I'm, I'm, getting out my, uh, I'm getting out my wardrobe, ready for the start of the season. That's great. Have you ever, ever heard of churches having a split? I just achieved that in three seconds. Uh, yeah, it's not so much the front of this shirt I was going to show you, it was the back of the shirt. Because over the years, uh, I've had various Met shirts, but the only, the only uh, number I've ever worn, the only name I've ever worn is, is David Wright's name, because uh, I'm a huge fan. I remember once, uh, I can picture it, I don't know why, I was in Charlotte's house that evening and was watching, I remember seeing him get his first hit in major baseball, watching that game. And then through the years, seeing, you know, just he was an exciting get guy to watch, whether it was playing third base or whether he was batting, and uh, an incredible guy. And, uh, you know, sadly, his, his career ended before it could have done. I must admit, I shed a tear at the end of last season when he played his last game. I really did. An incredible tribute he got from the fans. I'm an incredible fan of, of, of David Wright. As, you know, the, the guy is a person. Um, the guy as a sportsman, the guy as a captain, I think is an incredible example. But of course, the truth is, if we passed each other in the street, he wouldn't know me. And actually, I don't know him. <laughs> I really don't. I, it, it seems there are some people who, you know, often I see, they say, oh, I was in the airport and I saw so-and-so. And they they kind of, you know, I was on this plane and so-and-so was on the same flight. I was in a restaurant and this famous person was there. And like, I don't recognize, uh, I might have been, but I've never seen anybody. They might have been there, but I didn't really, oh, I did see Al Sharpton once in an airport. That's about the closest I've got to anything. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know people. And, and the fact is, if David Wright was to kind of be sitting in the same restaurant as me, I may not recognize him. Um, but sir, what's for sure is he doesn't really know me and I don't know him. I'm a great fan of David Wright's, but I don't know him. Okay, you getting where I'm going? Because the reality is this, that there is a difference. One of the differences of being a fan of God and a follower his fans know a lot about him and really appreciate him, but followers are people who are getting to know God. Sorry, just as an aside, I did see George Stephanopoulos in the Metropolis Diner one Sunday. Anyway, okay, let's keep going. Followers are people who are getting to know God. In the book of Job, chapter 42, it says this, Job 42 and verse 5, I admit I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. 
Job says to God, there was one, you know, there was a time when all I knew about you was what I heard about you, but now I know you for myself. And, and that's the goal, God's goal for you and me. Not just that God's somebody we've heard about, but God's somebody we really know for ourselves. There, there are levels of knowing people. Sometimes folks come here on a Sunday and they tell me, I've heard all about you. And I say, please don't believe it. I'm okay, really. I don't know what they might have heard, but they'll have heard some things then about me, I guess, that some folks told them. But that doesn't mean they know me. There's some of you that I've known for almost 30 years now. My Lord. But there's still levels of knowing. Like, do you know if I like cats? I'm sorry, but I don't, all right? So that's it. I've just ticked off Yankees fans and cat lovers, okay? Okay, I do love dogs, but uh, there we go. You don't know. You don't know which shoe I put on first in the morning. Not sure if my wife knows that. It's very easy, right? She knows. Right sock, right shoe, left sock, left shoe. There are ways to do things. There are levels of knowing people, but God wants us to get beyond the fact that we know some stuff about Him to get to the place where we can really say we know Him. Followers have a relationship with God. Have a relationship. It's a personal thing with God. Followers aren't simply people who go to church. Followers are people who personally have a relationship with God. God wants to know us. That's what the Bible says. In fact, the, the, the word in the Bible when it talks about God knowing us and us knowing God is exactly the same word that in the, in the original Hebrew writings of the Bible is used in the book of Genesis when it talks about Adam and Eve, and it says that he knew her. Uh, and, and, and it's talking about being as intimate as you can be. And what the Bible is saying is God just doesn't want to be somebody we're aware of, somebody we've you know, got a connection with. God wants to be somebody, God wants a relationship with us that is a meaningful relationship. So if God fills our minds while we see the words of songs on a screen and, and kind of while we're talking here on a Sunday and seldom comes to mind for the rest of the week, that's not what God is looking for. God wants to have a relationship with us. After God made Adam and Eve, it says this in Genesis 3. Sorry, let me backtrack. Uh, The background of this verse is simply, and most of you will know the story, God said to them, you know what, everything that's here is yours, you can enjoy it, but don't eat the fruit from that tree. And um, some of us have problems with instructions, don't we? And so the one thing they did, you know the story, they took the fruit from the tree, they ate the fruit from the tree. Okay, then here's what happened next, verse 8 of Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The thing that I want to point out this here is this. The way this was written and the verbiage that was used again in the original writings of the Scripture suggests when it says that they heard God walking in the garden, 
that it was an ongoing thing. And it seems like on a regular basis, when it came to the cool of the day, I guess the evening, God would come and be present in the garden and would communicate with Adam and Eve. So on this day, God comes to hang out with Adam and Eve for a while. He comes and they're nowhere to be seen. So Adam and Eve know they've done wrong. They don't want to face God. So they're hiding somewhere behind a bush. And God says, where are you, Adam? Because God didn't know where they were. (laughs) Yeah, he did. But the question went deeper than, it went deeper than what's your location. God knew their location. God's saying, Adam, where are you? Like, you you know, what have you done? And, And the fact is, in the step of disobeying, they had distanced themselves from God. So when God's saying, Adam, where are you? It's not just about, I can't see you anywhere. You know why that was important? Because God wanted to be with Adam, and God wanted a relationship with Adam. And God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants us to be a part of His life. That's what God's looking for. Sometime later in in the history of of God's people, the the people of Israel were, were taken slaves into Egypt, and they lived in slavery for 400 years. And then God called Moses to be their deliverer and to come and lead them out of Egypt. And the exodus took place. And he took them out of Egypt and they started going towards the land that God had promised to their forefathers. And uh, as they journeyed, uh, they they sinned, they failed God. And a journey that should have taken months actually took years. And God said this to Moses just in the course of that. As Israel was traveling for all these years, in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8, God said to Moses, let them construct a sanctuary for me so that I can live among them. I I want you to notice that. They were living in tents. And God said, can you make me a tent? Because I want to be there with them, and I want them to know that I'm there. God was so concerned about his relationship with his people, he didn't want it to be distant. They weren't actually the best examples of God followers you could have have found. But God said this, he said, look, I want to be where they are. And you know, if there's one thing God wants with each and every one of us, is God wants a relationship with us. Our Father God wants to have a relationship with each one of us. If you fast forward into the New Testament, there's a time when Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem, and here's what it says. In John's gospel, Luke's gospel, chapter 13, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I would have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. And you were not willing. Jesus said, I I just wanted to pull you in. I wanted to pull you close. But you weren't willing. There's a danger that where God is concerned, 
we put up a barrier and say, yeah, that's good. That's far enough. And what we miss out on is the real thing that God wants for us and God wants with us, which is a relationship. Followers have a relationship with God. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, Jesus put it like this. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the, re the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. That, that, that's a real simple picture, isn't it? Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The way we're meant to live is connected to the vine. Without me, he said, you can't do anything. You can't produce a thing. But when we are connected, when we have a relationship with Christ, who is the vine, what comes out of that relationship is a life that is fruitful and a life that is a blessing to other people. Connected to the vine. The one thing that God wants with us and for us is God wants a relationship with us. So our relationship with God starts or should start. Our relationship starts when we commit our lives to Him and say, God, I give you my heart, I give you my life. But the reality is this. It's got to move on from there as well so that we get to know God and we let God get to know us. Followers have a relationship with God. And, and then secondly, I want to point out this, that followers are getting to know God. Now, when I was first typing this up, I, I actually put this, I, I put this slide as followers know God. That's an arrogant statement, isn't it? Like, how many of us know God? Yep, I know God, period. We're always getting to know God, aren't we? We're always discovering more about God. We're always coming to see the, the depth of His love. We are always coming to see the, 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 the incredible wisdom in God's plans and how He does things. So actually, every single one of us is in the process of getting to know God. So followers are getting to know God. Now, sometimes it's a little bit more comfortable just to have a surface relationship. Because if you take that further, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago about defining the relationship. If you want to take the relationship a little bit further, some, sometimes there are, there are fears involved, like the, the fear of being known. Like, I'd really want to have a relationship with God, but, I, you know, if God really knew me, when I started pastoring, I, I guess I was, I was so young that there were a lot of well-meaning people who gave me advice. Some of it was very good. Some of it I wish I'd never listened to. I, I distinctly remember one experienced pastor saying to me, now, as a pastor, don't get too close to anybody in your church. Say, so keep a distance from everybody in the church. Because if you get to too close and they get to know you too well, you'll lose their respect. Just think about that statement for a moment. Isn't there something radically wrong 
that the more people get to know me, the less they respect me. Right? Isn't it? Right? Isn't that picture weird? It's like, don't let me get to know you because then they won't respect you at all. Maybe he was just dissing me himself. I don't know. Like, you know, you never really should be a pastor. Don't let anybody be close, get close to you because they'll find that out. I, I don't know, you know. But it was like, it was like a weird statement. And, and it was like, you know, don't let people really get to know how you are. Don't get too friendly. Don't get too close to people. But sometimes, you know, in developing relationships, we're afraid that like, you know, I'm okay, we're okay where we are now, but if they really got to know me better, then, then you know what, they, they might not like me as much. Psalm 139 verse 1 says this, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. The writer there says about God, look, you know me, you know me, you know this, you know this, you know this, you know this. And, and I want to tell you this, if you're afraid that if you try to get closer to God, that God's going to know you and won't like you, God knows everything about us already. And he still loves us. Hello? God knows every single thing about us, and He loves us unbelievably. Because the fact is this, we've all come short. None of us, none of us is all we would want to be, and none of us is all God plans for us to be. Is that okay? We are all travelers. We're all on a journey. God is working in each one of our lives, and we're all in different stages. But the fact is this, we all come sure. There's a great story in Luke's gospel, chapter 7, and uh, it goes like this. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster box of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, where the Pharisees were at is they had this super inflated opinion of themselves and they looked down on everybody else. So here's Simon, uh, the Pharisee, who wants Jesus to come to his house. But when Jesus comes to his house, because Simon is so superior himself to start with, he doesn't extend to him any of the common courtesies. Like because they lived in a dusty climate, when you went into somebody's house, you took your sandals off and they had somebody actually wash your feet for you. Simon didn't bother with all that because, uh, hey, I'm a Pharisee and I'm an important man and you're Jesus. And so this lady comes, a sinner, it says, a sinful woman. And this lady comes and she is so overcome with her own remorse and guilt that she just starts to cry and her tears wash the feet of Jesus. She dries her feet with her hair 
And then she breaks this very expensive jar of ointment over his feet. And Simon says, if he really knew who she was, he'd have nothing to do with her. But I want to tell you this. It was because Jesus knew who she was that he wanted something to do with her. Jesus knew who she was. Hey, look at the next bit of this. Uh, verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to this woman, forget about them. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love that story. I love that story because you know what? That reminds me, I don't have to be afraid that God is going to find out what I'm really like and then he won't like me anymore. It reminds me that God does know what I'm like and God still wants to have a relationship with me. Love it. God knows how you are. Now, God doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily thrilled about some aspect of your life or of mine, but God knows how we are. So it's, you know, there's no reason to hold back from really getting into a closer relationship with God because He does know. He does know. There's a story when, when Jesus was uh, starting His ministry in John's Gospel, uh, he called Philip to be one of his followers. And then it says this, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we've found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found the Messiah. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Here's what Nathanael said, Nazareth, can any good thing come from there? Come and see, said Philip. So immediately, you know, Nathaniel's response was like, you know, if, if this is the Messiah, um, really? Nazareth was an insignificant, tiny kind of place. It's like, you know, if the Messiah's coming, he's going to land at JFK and come to New York first. You know, the Messiah's come from Jerusalem. That's cool. But uh, we found the Messiah. It's Jesus from Nazareth. It's like, really? So Philip says, come and see. So they start to go to meet Jesus, and it says in verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And, Rabbi, and Nathanael declared, wow. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. What convinced him? Jesus knew where he was and what he had been saying. And, and by the way, and Jesus didn't say, so you know what, forget you. He knew who he was. 
He knew he'd decried the fact that Jesus came from Nazareth. And Nathanael said, you're, you're it. You're my king. You're my God. Sometimes we hold back from a relationship with God because we think we're not all we should be. Of course we're not all we should be. That's why God called us. And as our friendship with God develops, we are transformed. You become like the people you hang out with. If you have a relationship with God that's meaningful, then you're going to become changed more and more into His likeness. Some, pe some people are afraid of, 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 of being known, and so they hold back. Some people hold back from a relationship with God because they're afraid of being vulnerable. See, if you take a human relationship to a next level, the fact is, you, you know, the more of your defenses you let down, the more chances there are that you could be hurt. And some people hold back on developing a relationship with God, some of them because they feel God failed them, but a lot of people because they feel God's people failed them. And it's like, I'm not going to set myself up to be vulnerable so that I could be hurt again. There are a lot of people, a lot of us, we've experienced, probably all of us experienced betrayal in different times of our lives. And if you, in your mind, are sitting on the back row right now, I'm not talking about the people sitting on the back row. I said, if you, <laughs> if you in your mind, are sitting in the back row, half checked out, like this far, no further, with your defenses up, I want to remind you of this. You may feel God let you down, but I want to encourage you to trust God's got a bigger plan. God's got the plan. You may be in the back row in your mind because you've, others have hurt you and let you down. I want to tell you this. That wasn't God did that. And it wasn't a godly thing that happened. But don't let that hinder you from developing a meaningful relationship with God for yourself. Some people don't want to get close to God because they just don't want to, they're afraid they're going to lose out. When I, when I was a kid and first started going to church Sundays, um, I was like 11 years old. So I would go to church, and every Sunday my pastor would preach his heart out, and he was passionate to see people come into a relationship with Jesus. I caught that really early in my life. And every Sunday he would, he would preach his heart out, and then he would give an invitation and say, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, then, then you know what? Here's what we used to do in those days. He'd say, well, every head's bowed, every eye closed. If this is you, then I want you to raise your hand. Okay? So I went through this period. At first it was just good to look around and see if anybody was doing it, like, you know? We used to have, there was a rooming house right by the church, and every now and again we'd have people from the rooming house who would come into our services. You know, it was warm. They could get tea afterwards because we were English after all, and they could get a cup of tea and something afterwards, so they'd come in, and some of them would come in a little the worse for wear and intoxicated, so it was often interesting. There was one old guy who used to come in, and at the end of every service after my pastor preached, said, do you want to receive Christ? This guy would put his hand up every week. And one day my pastor's wife said to him, she said, uh, 
you, you know what? I, I see you put your hand up every week, but you know, when you give your life to Jesus, it's done. You receive His gift of eternal life. So you don't have to do that every week. He said, oh, but your, your husband preaches his heart out. Somebody's got to encourage him. <laughs> I'd sit there as an 11-year-old kid, and in my more serious moments, you know, the pastor would be preaching, and I'm here, I'm here with a tussle going on inside. You know, shall I give my life to Christ or not? And, and I'd be there, and I'd be, you know what was going to go through my mind? All the things I had to give up. I mean, I was into such heavy stuff as an 11-year-old. <laughs> but it really was. It's like, hey, you know, if I, hey, if I, you know, I was hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit inside. Some of you get this, right? You've been there? And there's this battle going on, but if I give my life to Christ, I won't be able to do this anymore. Or if I give my life to Christ, I'll have to change this. And it was like this whole battle going on. It's like, you know what? I don't know if I want to give it up. And some folks keep a distance from God because they're afraid they're going to miss out. In Luke's gospel, chapter 18, Peter kind of talked about this. He said to Jesus, we've left all we had to follow you. So in other words, Peter is saying, hey, you know what? We've given up everything. We've given up a lot. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the life to come, eternal life. Listen, there is not a person in this building today who will tell you they missed out on life because they committed their lives to Jesus. Okay, I'm going to say that once more, and if, if, if any more than the three whispered amens want to kind of attest to the truth of this, it might encourage one or two who might be on the fence today, okay? So there is not a single person in here this morning who has committed their lives to Christ and has been worse off for it. Amen. Okay, we're good. Could be better, but that's good. Okay, so, right? But, but some folks, you know, they hold back. It's like, okay, Roger, I'm here, and I like being here. Uh, don't press me. I'm not pressing you. But if the Holy Spirit is inviting you to get closer into relationship with God, I want to encourage you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Followers have a relationship with God and are getting to know God. And then just let me say this real, real quickly. Fans choose knowledge. Followers embrace intimacy. In church life in the United States, there's like a system has been created focused around how much we know. Kind of like Simon the Pharisee, whose house Jesus was at. The guy knew it all. He was an expert in the Bible as they had it at that time. And so often in church life, our default setting is knowledge, and it is not relationship. Christians love Bible studies. Like, they can't get enough of them. And in some church settings I've been in, like, you know, there was, you know, there was preaching a couple of times a Sunday. There was a designated Bible study for the whole church. There were women's Bible studies. There were men's Bible studies. There were teenage Bible studies. There was these Bible studies. And you could be at Bible studies like every night of the week. But I want to tell you this. Knowledge is no substitute for relationship. 
Okay, now I'm not knocking Bible study. Jesus knew the scriptures well enough that he was able to quote them whenever he needed them to help him. And we need to know what God's word says. We need to be aware of what God's word teaches. But the fact is this, it's not about how much Bible we know. It's about how close to God the Bible we already know is bringing us. It's about our relationship with God. So a lot of folks say, I need to get to know the Bible better. But the reality is, most of us need to get to know God better. Now, you, I know you can get to know God through the Bible, and some of you are going to be lining up at the door to talk to me and straighten me out. Don't bother. Don't bother. I know what I'm saying. If you don't understand it, God will show you one day. It's not how much Bible we know. It's how much Bible we're living it's how much our it's how our relationship with God is. Paul, the Apostle Paul. We're, get, we're going to take a few weeks uh, when we finish this series to look at some of the life of Paul in the Bible. The Apostle Paul was schooled in the Scriptures as good as the best. And here's what he says in Philippians three: "But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ." He said, "Those things aren't what count to me. It's Jesus that matters." I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Don't be fooled into garbage picking permanently so that you never really get a relationship with God. Fans know about God. Followers know God. Here's what Paul said. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul says, I want to know Christ. And finally, here's what Jesus said about our relationship with him. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, Jesus said to his followers, I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard of my Father. Jesus says, you're my friends. Friendship with Christ is what God wants us to know. So are you a fan or are you a follower? Do you know about Jesus, or are you getting to know Jesus? Are you an active follower, or are you someone who once followed close, and now you're at a distance? Today's a good day to open your heart to Jesus. Say, Lord, I want to know you. Let's pray together.